0: Hello, I'm Joe, and welcome to the latest edition of our new series, No History, highlighting key periods in our wonderful club's history. Joining me today are two City historian fanatics, I would hope. Uh, rejoining me is Howard, and we also have a new guest on the podcast in Ben, a regular 9320 contributor. Uh, so guys, how are we doing? Howard, I'll start with you. Glad to be back on you. the uh the No History um roller coaster.
1: Well, yeah. Well, we don't have much of one, do we? So, two episodes down, we've pretty much <laughs> done everything. I imagine by the end of this one. But yeah, uh, one of the most interesting parts in our history. This one. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it very much. Yeah, indeed. And Ben, how are you? Welcome to uh, to the
0: to the No History Pod, making your debut here. How are you feeling? Thank-
2: yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, all good, and looking forward to talking about this period, which uh, unfortunately is. It's a bit crazy when you think about it. It's actually pretty much 25 years ago, isn't it? Which has uh, gone by in a flash.
0: I know, it's absolutely insane how quickly this has gone. It's a, it's a period just to make you both feel a bit worse. That is especially endearing to my heart because it is when I first started going to to watch City. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, definitely special for me, but I think it's a special period for all City fans. So for anyone listening who's not uh, guessed it already, We're returning to uh, a laser blue laden golden era um, where there was just absolute madness as always in and around main road with uh, a Manchester City team who had just fallen to their lowest ever rep, having been relegated from what was then the nationwide first division, which was the second tier, into the lowest uh, division the club has ever played in, which was the nationwide League division two. Obviously, as as things go, this is undoubtedly the lowest point in City's history at this point. Things do get a bit worse uh, in the upcoming season before they improve. Uh, and they were relegated following a 5-2 win at Stoke um, in a very moody game, which also sent Stoke down with them. Um, guys... I don't want to push on ages because I don't know exactly how old you are, but my, my recollection from, from the studying I've done is that the 90s, as a decade, they didn't always seem like it was going to be such a disaster. If you go back to kind of 1991, 92 under Kendall, then Reid, the club had a very exciting young batch of players coming through and had finished fifth in the old first division back-to-back back, before the, the Premier League began and football started, and hence history for all football clubs began. <clears throat> no shade. But essentially, what I'd like to know is, this period in your City watching um, history, having had that high of finishing 5th back-to-back with that young T that looked like it could really go on and progress, was it, even by City standards, to find themselves in this situation within less than a decade surprising? or was it a natural accumulation of years of mismanagement. Um I'll start with you first Ben on that one if you don't mind.
2: Yeah, so cards on the table in terms of ages and things like that. So around this period I think this the season that we are talking about with the 98 99 season. Um uh, to start with I was at the start of the season I was sort of 15 and I'd been probably going to City about probably about 5 years I think by that point. So i i sort of got into first watching city was just towards the end of the sort of peter Reid, uh reign at city so and at that time if you, you remember um city were doing doing pretty well and it was it was a bit of a shock really that peter reed got the got the boot from from peter swales so my introduction to city had really been the fallout from that so you know lots of protests um, and things like that around peter swales and then from then to be honest it was sort of non-stop drama so We'd had the, the whole, as I say, with Peter Swells going and then Franny Lee coming in and, you know, the, the period of when we had sort of many managers. Um, so I think before before Royal, there was like three or four managers and were almost within within 12 months. Um, so, yeah, it was completely um, eventful. Um, and yes, so, for, so for me, I, I guess, as I say, as I got into City, I sort of missed out on that sort of the success of the youth team coming through, and, you know, the whole... I was probably I was too young to really remember that the uh, the five one and the eighty nine and all that sort of stuff. So it was certainly interesting being being a city fan and certainly contrasting to you know most of my mates around where I grew up were Liverpool and United fans and things like that. So it was certainly eventful uh, and yeah, lots of lots of sights down at Main Road that were you know to be honest as as a youngster getting into football quite quite scary sometimes in terms of yeah. the protests, extremely um, toxic yeah. environment. Yeah, it really was. Yeah.
0: Howard, you're not getting away with it. What are your recollections of this period?
1: <laughs> my recollections of being older than you two, I imagine. So, <laughs> I think the first thing that springs to mind, I think we got ideas above our stations, that finishing fifth was like... I mean, my vague memories that, yeah, Peter st playing style as manager, you know, it wasn't the most entertaining. Uh, but we didn't know how good we had it, in a way. We thought, you see it nowadays, you know, modern boards and chairmen make these bold decisions where they sack someone and you think that's weird they're doing quite well but they they think they can do even better and sometimes it works but yeah it was just a, I think it was the start of the downfall was of course Swales the end of Swales misjudgment of City fans in a way that thought that Fanny Lee was God and would come in and just you know everything would be fine after that and to be fair from things I've heard behind the scenes Swales, so you know, sabotaged the. Other. Basically, it wasn't left in a good state for uh, Francis Lee uh, to actually turn things around. So it's not as if he had an easy job doing it. Uh, mm. And yeah, it was. Just, I don't think we ever thought it was going to end up in how you yeah. in what you've described in 1998. But when you look back on it, it's no surprise. And the worst thing Francis Lee did was get his mate in in Alan, in Alan Ball. Uh, we probably thought that once we went down, we'd come back up and yeah, that's, it's just, there was just so many other issues behind the scenes. wasn't there? It's weird. I did the 30 footy questions with Steve uh, yesterday, the other day. And my first memory I said uh, was, I was like, with clarity was being relegated in 1983. And the last memory prior to Joe Royal is, uh, well, until the two seasons we're going to discuss was the Stoke relegation. Uh, that was on my birthday. So oh no. that was my life in those days. In recent years, I've seen City on my birthday in two Champions League semi finals one they won against PSG, one they somehow messed up against Real Madrid in those days. City often were either trying to get promoted or getting relegated around my birthday in early May so it was always fun and stressful around my birthday and it still is now to be honest but for better reasons I don't I think that decline was bigger than anyone could have anticipated to be honest no one no one expected us to go down to the third tier until a few weeks before it actually happened when it dawned on us that we probably weren't going to get out of this mess.
0: Yeah, and of course Manchester City have become the first club in kind of typical City fashion to have won a major European honour, and find themselves in the third tier. I think Rob Hawthorne's famous co- commentary from when we are relegated at Stoke, and he lists the titles the club had won, and essentially the the showpiece for Sky of such a big name falling down to that level. Um, now Ben has already touched on on the protagonist, if you will, of today's episode, uh, and he is somewhat. Um, I think it's fair to say City Royalty without um, trying to be too clever Um, he was a gentleman by the name of Joe Royal uh, Big Joe who had played for the club in probably his last uh, meaningful um, era of challenging for for major silverware in the mid to late 70s playing in the the team that won the the League Cup at Wembley and finished runners up to the all-conquering Liverpool side of 77 uh, and this wasn't the first rodeo with Joe Royal. I mean, Peter Swales had very publicly courted him on one of his many uh, managerial searches uh, a few years before, before appointing Howard Kendall. Uh, it always felt natural that this would happen at some point, I think it's fair to say. And let's be honest, for where City were, I think you could brought brought in most managers in world football. We were hurtling towards that third tier. Uh, we had a squad of over 50 plus players, we had the pressure of potentially being signed up to a new stadium in the year 2003, which was obviously dependent on the club cutting the wage bill, as well as being at least in the, the second tier of English football um, and Big Joe had come from from doing a fine job at Everton, obviously the last evertonian manager to to win a major piece of silverware in 1995 uh, with that poor rideout goal. um So yeah, f- fair to say, a, a big name in English football. had won league titles and honors across Everton and City. had won a, a league title at um uh, sorry, at an FA Cup at Everton, and also probably his finest achievement was was taking uh, Oldham from either the second or third old division. To, to the inaugural Premier League and keeping them up for a couple of years so guys just to touch back on this he comes in in kind of um, I think it was late February 1998 and and the toxicity at the club had probably risen to an all time high there's this constant protest fans were in on the pitch Uh, ripping up the season ticket I mean to set the scene of Britain in general New Labour have just uh, got in Oasis his popularity is never higher you've got Liam Gallagher walking around the main road pitching a parker in 30 degree heat similar to today's weather Um, and here City find yet another manager coming in but did did this feel different to you guys I I mean I'll start with you this time Howard given that it was someone with such clear connection Mm -hmm. and feel for the club
1: yeah, I think when you, you know, read up about it, you'd say that he took over from Frank Clark and I read an article that said he got the club. I hate that phrase anyway, he gets it. <laughs> you see it with uh, United quite a lot, or Liverpool or other clubs. Uh, of course, he played for us, but there's a big gap there in a way. But I think he did understand the club better than some of his predecessors. I think Brian Horton, you know, we've had on the podcast, got the, understood the club. Uh, he was too good I mean you've you've mentioned his his honors as manager he was too good in a way uh it, it was quite a an achievement to get him in I guess you could say well City are a big club but look where we were you know it's the contradiction there was he too good for us it was because you, you either judge him on the size of the club he's coming to or the situation they're in which is dire and yeah I think he had about 12 league games that season as you said earlier I think it was 54 players and the transfer window was a lot later in those days. I think was it like in March or something? So yeah, I think there used to be not... one in the summer, and then the, I think it was <laughs> yeah. like mid March or something crazy. It closed. It, it was much later, yeah, because uh, I think someone who Yeah, in the seasons we're going to look at, there's some late arrivals in seasons, uh, and he got rid of about twelve of them. I think. Uh, I don't think you can really judge him on those twelve games, because I mean you. We laugh at United now have spent about a decade trying to get their club on an even keel and get things working the right way. You see how other clubs, how long it takes to turn things around. And City were in a dire state, uh, just financially, just tons of players coming and going, moving through. It must have taken them a couple of months to even work out what his best team could possibly be. It uh, obviously went for... Brawn over skill and King Clancy was phased out. But at the time, it was a great appointment. And I thought, even if he couldn't keep us up that season, it felt he was the right man to take us back to where we felt we belonged. Brilliant. Thanks, Howard. And Ben, I can only um, commend what must have been a
0: horrific school period for you at the age of 14, (laughs) 15, going into this season. Because I went to school. I mean, my my last... um, full day at school United won the Champions League in 2008 and it sounds like you had a very similar experience at least City were in the Premier League and often beating um, United in my school year so I had something to clutch onto but it sounds like you were in the peak of your secondary school years during this most turbulent time of the club's history but was this a, a small glimmer of hope for you in those times as a blue Joe Raw or was it just there was just all nothing right. to, to to smile about
2: yeah, as Howard said, I think around the whole club there was this—it's probably arrogance, to be honest—in terms of, you know, an Alan Ball for me did sort of, you know, that was a real, you know, example of that. I guess is you know he was there's lots of stories about him going going into the you know City and showing his medals and talking about him being a World Cup winner throughout, and I think that was the the impression from from City is that you know there were. Going to bounce back up, um, and with those, you know, with all of the managers we've talked about, and you know, I remember, for example, listening to um, like Radio Manchester after the games when Frank Clark was uh, was in charge, particularly towards the end, and it was just desperate, desperate stuff. He was literally, you know, the, the interviewer would say, you know, what's the plan, what are you going to do next, and he, he was basically shrug and say, I don't know, sort of thing. Um, so I think. Like any new manager does, and it's similar to a to a new signing, um, and also, you know, at that point, despite how it how it ultimately went with Franny Lee, there was there was a lot of hope. Um, and I guess that's what it sort of turned from, is as I say, that sort of arrogance to getting worse and worse and, you know, city fans clinging on to anything that they could. Um, as you touched on with with Royal's sort of history with with Oldham and Everton, he'd done well. So I guess you know that was that was certainly um, an exciting factor, but um, but yeah, I mean personally, as you you, you asked about the school and stuff, as sad as it says, we we were almost becoming irrelevant at this point. It wasn't as if you know we were up there in some title race or you know taking points off United as you said you. But when you were at school, it was you know we were we were well out of the uh, the rearview mirror to be any threat to any of these other teams. So it was more of a sarcastic laugh or or something like that rather than you know, anything, anything more
1: than that, really. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes, and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now, or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.